0: This is an ABC podcast. BS. Oh, girl, girl Power. This is the story of the girl who became the world's most famous singer, Dame Nellie Melba, read by singer songwriter Dami Im.
1: Nellie, would you stop that incessant noise? It's driving me mad. Nellie Mitchell's dad was a strong, stubborn stonemason. But he was no match for his six-year-old daughter, who never let anyone boss her around. You can't tell me what to do, she thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grown-ups worried about Nellie. It was the 1800s. An era when girls were supposed to be prim, proper and quiet. But Nelly was mischievous, rowdy and loud. She's a tomboy, people said. Too haughty, too naughty, too much of a show-off. Nellie didn't care. Besides, they were partly right. She despised dolls and tea sets. She preferred action toys like rocking horses and musical instruments and she loved making noise. Noise meant attention. Nelly! It's 2 a.m. Get off the piano and go back to bed. It was obvious Nelly wanted an audience. No, she needed an audience, or else she really would drive her parents mad so they agreed to let her sing in a school fundraising concert at the town hall. The singer was so small, she had to stand on a chair so that the crowd could see her. She took a deep breath and belted out one of the most popular sing-alongs she knew. Every lassie has a laddie, none they say have I. All the lads, they smile on me when coming through the ride. The crowd cheered with delight and surprise. Nellie wasn't just a cute novelty act. She was good. And when the first trickles of applause hit Nellie's little ears, it was like oxygen. She knew she couldn't live without it. So, what did you think of my show? She asked a friend. Nellie Mitchell, I saw your drawers. They were knee-length knickers. (laughs) Nellie laughed. Luckily, she didn't care for being ladylike. But her boisterous ways kept bothering her parents, and they shipped her off to boarding school for discipline. No one bosses me around, she thought. She complained and protested, protested and complained. And when that didn't work, she took an umbrella into the shower... And almost flooded the bathroom. All right, her dad caved. You can move home again and attend the new ladies' college. As Nellie grew, so did her love of music. She skipped lunch most days to practice the organ and she started singing lessons. But without a captive audience, Nellie continued her mischief making. Look over there! she said, pointing to a horse-drawn carriage. What of it? asked her friends. Nellie's eyes twinkled as she ran to the vehicle and jumped aboard. The driver was nowhere to be seen, so Nellie seized the reins herself. Giddy up! she cried and took off down the street. Enough is enough, her dad declared. These pranks have to stop. Nellie grinned and tried to strike a deal. I'll stop, she said, if you let me become an opera singer. Nellie was allowed to sing and play piano for family and friends, and even at some charity events. But there was no way they would let her become a professional performer. Ladies were supposed to be restrained. Opera singers were fabulous and fanciful, They were the stuff of European fantasy, not Australian reality. As far as Nellie's parents are concerned, she would get married, have children, cook, clean and live happily ever after. She would have kicked up more of a stink. But a whirlwind dreaming came to a sudden stop when tragedy struck. Her mum and soon after her baby sister died. Darkness fell over their Melbourne home, and the only way Nellie's dad could cope was to move far, far away. They packed up their belongings and headed for the sugar plantations of North Queensland. (laughs) Nellie felt defeated and deflated. She married and had a son. Her new name was Nellie Armstrong. It was the life her parents had plotted out for her all along. But there was a gaping hole in her heart that only music could fill. She sang in small halls. The audiences were enthralled and she desperately sucked in their applause like precious air. But Nelly knew she could achieve bigger and better things. She didn't think it should matter that she was a woman, a wife, or a mum. She wrote to her singing teacher in Melbourne. I'm miserable here. It won't stop raining, There are snakes and my piano has been ruined by mildew. I must escape. I must become an opera singer. With no support from her dad or her husband, Nellie and her baby hightailed back to the city. She fearlessly took to stages across Victoria, defying old-fashioned expectations and proving women were not meek and mild. She sang and she sang, Encore after encore. Bravo, Nelly! More, more, more! But Nelly also longed for more, more, more. She knew that if she really wanted to make it as an opera singer, she needed to perform on the grandest stages of all. She set sail for Europe. Better luck next time.
0: La 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 la, la 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 Merci,
1: but no. Nelly was getting knockback after knockback. Prestigious schools, teachers and companies had no interest in an amateur from Australia. Do you mean Austria? One teacher asked. Australia? Where is that? Asked another. But the rejections fueled Nellie even more. She was fiercely patriotic. She vowed to show the world how wonderful she was and to put Australia on the map. She pulled back her shoulders and marched confidently into the school of the greatest opera teacher in Paris, Madame Matilda Mackesy. Madame Marquise's jaw dropped. At last, she cried, I have found a star. But first, you must choose a new name. Nellie Armstrong has no ring to it. Nellie didn't mind. She was forced to take Armstrong when she married, so she made up a new last name based on her beloved Melbourne. I'll be known as Melba, she declared. Nellie Melba. Nellie studied and practised, practised and studied, until she learned the soprano parts of almost every famous opera by heart. You're ready, Melba, said Madame Makisi. Your debut will take place in Brussels. You will play Gilda in Rigoletto. Thousands swarmed into the theatre when Nellie Melba's name was up in lights. They gasped as she took her place. She had cast aside the traditional blonde wig opera singers were supposed to wear. Instead, her natural dark hair glistened in braids that cascaded down her back. But it was her voice that was truly enchanting. The applause followed like thunder. Nellie had to dodge the bouquets being pelted towards her. Her voice is like spring raindrops. She is Australia's nightingale. Encore! Encore! The next morning, she woke up famous. Everyone knew Nellie Melba. Everyone loved Nellie Melba and everyone wanted to hear Nellie Melba sing. She sang in enormous sold-out venues. She sang on radio and records. She sang for kings, queens, princes and princesses. But she also sang for the poor. In fact, she always included country towns on her tours, as well as fancy cities. And she made sure ticket prices were low, so no one missed out. Everywhere Nellie went, she was mobbed by fans who showered her in flowers. They surrounded her hotels, desperate to catch a glimpse of the superstar. While inside, chefs created decadent dishes named in Melba's honour. It's Melba-mania, the newspapers said. Melba rage has swept across the world. Nellie became so successful and so independent she broke convention of the day and caused a global scandal when she divorced her husband. I shall never marry again. I can never put up with a man bossing me around. While other women were still expected to work as housewives and maids, Nellie had become a self-made millionaire. She travelled in private carriages, decked out like palaces. She hired servants. She wore elaborate evening gowns and dripped with sparkling jewels. Why should only royalty live like this? She wondered. There's nothing stopping me. But the glitz and the glamour was all just an added bonus that came from fulfilling her dreams. I care nothing for these, she told a reporter, showing him a fistful of gold, silver and gemstones. It is applause that I live for. When World War I began and theatres across Europe closed, Nellie travelled home to Australia, determined to give back to the country she loved the most. She opened a singing school and raised thousands of pounds for wounded soldiers and their families. It was almost too depressing to think that one day her voice would falter and she would have to stop. But as her body and her vocal cords aged, Nellie decided it was time she announced her retirement. At a farewell concert in Melbourne, the Prime Minister called Nellie, Australia's greatest daughter. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. By the end of her set, Nellie was standing knee deep in flowers, with tears streaming down her cheeks. It was all too much. She couldn't stop. Applause gave her life. So she sang and she sang, farewell concert after farewell concert. She sang so many goodbye concerts, people all across Australia started saying, more farewells than Melba, when they were describing someone who refused to give up. And Nellie Melba never did give up. Mischievous, rowdy, loud and proud. A dame and a diva who never let anyone boss her around. How bold is Dame Nellie Melba? It just goes to show how important it is to believe in yourself and to just keep striving for your dream, even if sometimes your parents don't approve. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. My name's Dami Im, and I'm a singer-songwriter. You can hear more fierceness on the podcast, like this story about scientist Abigail Orwood.
2: Abigail Orwood reached for the stars. She wanted to explore space, but there was a problem. Abigail wasn't great at maths. She was kicked out of her physics degree. If I can't explore space... I'll explore the next best thing, Abigail said. So she went to the Australian outback. Whoa, check out those stromatolites. Abigail spotted a bunch of fossilised rock formations that looked like stacks of upside-down ice cream cones. She ran some tests and was sure she'd found microbes, teeny tiny living things, and they'd been there for 3.45 billion years. The oldest known dinosaurs were only about 200 million years old. Abigail Allwood had discovered the earliest evidence of life on Earth. The world's most famous space researchers, NASA, called Abigail right away. They figured if she could find the oldest life on Earth, she could find it on Mars too. In the year 2020, a machine called Pixel, designed by Abigail, will be launched into space to look for life on the red planet. Who knows what it will find? But Abigail has proven there's a universe of possibilities out there as long as you reach for the stars.
0: Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super-fierce women and one snazzy guy... It's produced by Alex Lowellback, with special thanks to Carla Arnold. The executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. David LeMay is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts. Fierce Girls is a production of ABC Audio Studios. And if you need more fierceness in your life, Have a listen to the other Fierce Girls stories we've made just for you. You can hear them for free on ABC Listen, other podcast apps or on your smart speaker. Hey, speaker, play Fierce Girls. Sure, here's the latest
2: episode of Fierce Girls.
0: Or head to the Fierce Girls website where you'll also find colouring in sheets and posters of your favourite Fierce Girls.